Monster RX 93.1 presents Heard on Thursdays Hot conversations on hot topics Your host, Nikki Porter Monsters, welcome to the show that made Philippine FM radio talk. That's heard on Thursdays here on Summer's Hottest Monster RX 93.1. I am your guest, Nikki Porter. For our viewers on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch, notice anything different? I know we are trying something new. So, of course, for those who are listening on radio, we have a different setup. So you should probably check out also our live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, whichever you're more familiar with or comfortable with, so that you can see what we're talking about. All right, so what better way to celebrate new beginnings, new setups for this show than with a bottle of wine? Make that far tonight. So picture this, though, to start things off. It's Thursday night. You're finally home after a long day at work. You plop down on the couch while you're waiting for your food delivery. <laughs> like all of us, right? You've been craving maybe tomato and basil pasta all day. All day. And there's jazz music. Just to set the scene for you guys. There's jazz music playing faintly in the background. You find yourself staring at the wine chiller near the kitchen. Too many bottles. If you're like me, too many bottles to choose from. <laughs> now what? Well, we've got tonight's guest to the rescue. PYC Foods Corporation sommelier Ian Santos is here back for more to teach us about food and wine pairings basics. He'll also talk about the life of a sommelier and all good things about wine, basically, so that we can learn a thing or two this evening. Ian, by the way, was named the 2019 champion of the Philippine Sommelier Competition. He's been to many parts of the world to represent the Philippines, most recently to the 2023 World's Best Sommelier com com Competition in Paris, France. So, heard on Thursdays. Without further ado, let's welcome back to the show Sommelier Ian Santos! <laughs> welcome hello, hello. back. Welcome back to the show, Ian. So, Finally happy to have you in person yes. on the show. So not only do we get to catch up, but we actually get to do some wine tastings and pairings live in studio, finally. It's like a bucket list of mine <laughs> that I finally get to tick off this evening. So tonight we are going to be pouring four bottles of wine, like I mentioned. And throughout the show, Ian will also be talking a little bit more about the wines. And yeah, so that we can learn more we don't have to be a sommelier about it, but then it is impressive once you get to know <laughs> a little bit more about wines, whoever it is you're trying to impress, even if it's just yourself. So let's talk about uh, what were the significant moments. It's been almost a year, or more than a year rather, yes. since I've spoken to you. So what were the most significant moments you've had in the past year as a sommelier? And was, I'm pretty sure it was, but uh, how did the world's best sommelier competition um, play in the year that was for you? Yeah, so, hi everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to finally be back. Yeah. Um, so the competition really helped me a lot and it helped me see so many different things of where we are as a wine drinking country. Mm, okay. So Philippines, you know, it's, wine is never the first thing that you would think of 
right? when it comes to beverages. Mm -hmm. But being in the competition alone, being the second Filipino to represent the country was mm. an amazing experience. It really helped me realize that there's so much potential in the country, especially in the food and beverage scene. So it's just great to be there. Yeah, and I can only imagine like the emotions that were running like all over your body once you oh, were yeah. there. So like what was what was it like to be surrounded by sommeliers from all over the world? Was it daunting? Was it exciting? Tell us what you were feeling when you finally got the chance to join. Yeah. So I was very excited at first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to be there alone was my goal as a sommelier mm -hmm. to represent the country. But to be surrounded by so many different sommeliers from Europe, from South yeah. America, from all over Asia, from Australia, it, w it was very intimidating at first, but when you get to know and meet each of them, you'll see how they're all very much excited. You'll see how they all have the same passion that you do. You'll yeah, see how sure. you all have the same goal, which is to be the best sommelier of the world. So <laughs> at the end of the day, what I enjoyed the most with them was at least sharing a good glass of wine. Mm. So that's all I really love. About the competition. Yeah, and so could you tell us for in this year's competition who won um, the best sommelier of the world? So it was Raymond Thompson. His name. He's from Latvia. That's uh, a very like random country where you would think yes. of like when it comes to wine. Very <laughs> small country yeah. as well. But I heard they have a very strong sommelier team as well. Ah. Um, he's had a very good mentor that helped him out prepare for the competition. He placed third last three years ago mm -hmm. in 2019 so you can just tell he really prepared for it so it was a good experience third place to first place that's yeah. amazing and so i like are you planning to join like the next ones like how many like maybe in a few years mm -hmm. how often is it an annual event so it's an annual event for the philippine sommelier association mm -hmm. competition also um but to represent the philippines it's so it's every three years for the world's best sommelier competition it. Okay. also. So it really depends who wins every year. Normally, there's an internal competition happening right. for the Philippine sommelier, within the Philippine sommelier competition. Mm -hmm. um, whoever wins in the past year will represent the country. But since there hasn't been any competition in the past right. three years, yeah. I was the only option. So I didn't have any <laughs> choice. But at, to me, that was, that was really good. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes in the next few yeah, years. Yeah, it's kind of like a sign, I guess, for you. But, you know, like, it's it's still your moment to shine. So, it's a great thing that you're able to take the chance yeah. as well. Yeah, it was And perfect. so, we're so, like, I personally, knowing you, I'm excited to see you potentially again. Maybe because you were, uh, what was the round, I guess? What do you call them? Rounds, categories? You have different segments for the competition. Okay. So we it was a whole week of competition. So there wow. were a few days. There was one whole day just dedicated for the quarterfinals. So you start the morning with a blind tasting. Um, you'll taste four different red wines. And then they had you taste one wine and do an, a full organoleptic notes. Meaning you have to full you have to make a full description about mm, the wine. Right, yeah. You have a full exam, written exam for three hours, and then you do a whole service in the afternoon as well. So wow. you'll have to do whatever the judges tell you to do in the afternoon. So if they tell you to open a sparkling wine, if they tell you to open a twenty, forty year old red wine from mm -hmm. Bordeaux, you'll have to do it properly and in a way sommeliers would actually do it. And also yeah. based on the organization's setup. 
Wow. So, quite intense. It it does sound intense, yeah. especially from someone who like only knows very minimal minimal of like you know wine appreciation, wine wine knowledge also. So it's really interesting to delve into that world a little bit with how you've been describing how the competition was for you. So now, of course, we are here for wine tasting. So let's get it started, right? So. Ian, why don't you take it away? What is the first wine that we will try tonight? All right, so we have four. Um, we have one white wine. We have a rosé. We have two reds, which is interesting because it's they're far apart in terms of tasting notes. Mm. Uh, we have a Pinot Noir, which is very light, and then we have a Rio, which we'll talk about later on. But we'll start with a very popular grape variety, which is Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. It's from Marlborough, New Zealand, which. I believe you chose for tonight. <laughs> yeah, I was so shy, by the way, <laughs> off air. I was like so insecure. I wasn't sure if I chose the right wine, especially if you're going to be guesting a sommelier like Ian. <laughs> so I'm glad, though, that he is happy with my choices this evening. <laughs> no, it was great. So Marlboro, New Zealand, definitely a staple when it comes to Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. Uh, very popular wine region in New Zealand. So it's in the South Island, I believe. Um, a very cool climate area, which normally translates to higher acidity level in wine. So if you like that tart, uh, citrusy kind of white wine, this would be perfect for you. And also this is perfect for food pairing as well, mm. since a lot of Filipino dishes are really high in fat content, mm -hmm. high in acidity content, like vinegar. We all love dipping dishes in suka, right? right? So, yes, uh, this would be perfect. It has that really nice grapefruit uh, dominant flavor to it. Like once you smell the glass, I mean, you can start smelling it as well. Do we swirl it or just leave So, it what I suggest is that you smell the wine first. Alright. See how mm. it intense the wine is on its own, even without swirling. Yeah. And then you can swirl your glass. Alright, I will do it like a novice. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you swirl the glass to aerate the wine. You're exposing the liquid to oxygen. Got it. And then you take a sniff again and see how intense or how different it is from the first time you yeah. smelled it. And then after that, just take a sip. You know. Yes. Uh, we'll do ASMR today. <laughs> right now, so, we are trying Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> So just get some air, have a bit of a slurp to it. You'll see how citrusy that is, Very. how bright the wine is. You're salivating, but in a good way, mm -hmm. um, which after pairing it with a dish or any kind of dish, you'll see the difference on, in acidity. Yeah. So Sauvignon Blanc is really known for this characteristic, which is great. Uh, and also that really intense grassy grapefruit citrusy note to it yeah. it's very aromatic that's somehow like how the how your like my gums i guess are reacting to it it's almost similar to not similar but it's like a mild indian mango exactly <laughs> perfect mild indian mango or like i don't know if like kamyas is too basic but then no that's a perfect example <laughs> also you have to remember when we do wine tasting in the philippines you don't have to be very you don't have to have a, re a really big vocabulary when it comes to descriptors. Mm. You can describe wine in your own way to whatever fruits you're familiar yeah. with, whatever vegetables you're familiar with. 
Um, you don't have to be very deep in terms of tasting or describing the wine. It's really all about what you like and I like. So yeah, and like very the, subjective. the familiar, the familiarity of the different flavors for sure. Like it'll come in eventually. So like even with just knowing how like my gums react to it, like that's one way I guess of trying to describe the wine. So like with the camias and the green mango. Exactly. Because I love sour. Yeah. So awesome. Thank you for that. I'm gonna sip again just to um. Make sure. Yes. I get <laughs> and we are tasting, by the way. We're mm -hmm. not drinking. We're not trying to get drunk. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to appreciate wine on a deeper yes. level, which is, <laughs> I think, a good excuse. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's very important. Like what you said, um, you know, the Filipino culture right now, it's not the first thing that comes to mind when we want to spend time with our friends. Um, it's what automatic, like beer or mm -hmm. maybe some form of liquor but wine is something do you still think that wine right now in our culture maybe in our generation even it's still underappreciated so i'd say it's still underappreciated but in the past five years i would say there's been a big uh jump from how we were in terms of wine consumption so mm. especially during the pandemic when everybody was at home there was a a whole liquor ban as well yeah, which really prompted sure. filipinos to you know, appreciate alcoholic beverage responsibly after. Yeah. So that was a good, you know, that was a good jump, like, mm. I'd say, for the past years. Have you, is there, first for like a wine novice, um, what would be the simplest or easiest whites or reds that we can, that they can try that might be palatable to them? So I'd always suggest that whenever you're trying to start with wine, always start with single varietal wines meaning always go for a wine that is made with one type of grape uh, because this is really the best way to explore different kinds of grape varieties different kinds of flavors and normally grape varietals will really tell you how a wine is going to taste even without opening the bottle yet oh, okay. so single varietal wines it could be a sauvignon blanc these are your famous Chardonnays, your Cabernet Sauvignons, your Pinot Noirs, which is what we're going to be trying later. Always go for single varietal wine and just explore. Go for different countries. Go for Chardonnay from the US, from France, from Australia and see how different they are. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing that's very different with the way like wines are presented in Old World and in New World is the way that they like cover the wines. So you have like your corks, your synthetic corks, your twist caps. Do you have any opinion with regard to this? Because it's like an ongoing debate. It's like some purists would like, no, it has to be the cork itself. Like, and others would be, synthetic cork is like a lot better. I'm not impersonating anybody, by the way. <laughs> but just for, for the sake of uh, discussion, is there any difference? Is there any preference? Or does it depend on the conditions or the kind of wine? So I'd say it really depends on the producer. Okay. If they have access to different uh, oak trees, which is normally where your barks are coming from for okay. cork production. Um, countries like Australia, the US, they have really been producing a lot of wines out of and sealing it with screw caps mm -hmm. out of convenience. Um, also, it really helps your wine to age for a longer period. Um, and it avoids cork taint, which normally happens when you have a wine bottle that is sealed with cork. Mm -hmm. And when it dry, dries up, 
that's when pores open up and that's when your wines actually ah. start to spoil or oxidate, I'd say. So, screw caps doesn't really tell you if it's going to be good or not. It's really just a seal for the bottle. Mm. To me, what's important is what's inside, as, <laughs> as corny as it sounds, but mm -hmm. it's really what's on the inside of the bottle that, that matters. So, the most secure cover for like or cap rather for for the wine would be the twist cap that, that i would say that's a very secure and uh safe type of cover for your wine bottles but uh still a lot of old world countries especially european countries mm -hmm. no, they produce a lot of their wines and they cover it with corks still so okay and just one last question with regard to the corks by the way is it still accurate or should people still is it impressive rather to smell the cork once you open the bottle of wine so it will tell you smelling the cork actually tells you if it's spoiled or not oh, okay. some corks if it smells like vinegar or if it smells like uh like spoiled uh rotten wet <laughs> um basahan <laughs> Wow, really? The, yeah, like if it, it gets smells like that, level? that's wow. when you know if it's actually spoiled or already uh, cork-tainted. Shout out to my dad. He might still say, okay, pan. <laughs> 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 but anyway, um, like learning about this this evening, it just makes me want, oh my gosh, I really want to take wine classes now. I mean, I took wine classes with you in college, yeah. but then um, like this is like to know deeper and to have a deeper appreciation, definitely. Uh, I would love to take more wine classes. So, how large or small right now is the sommelier community in the Philippines? And would you encourage more Filipinos to become one? And if so, why? Or what are the perks that they can experience? Absolutely. So, there's the Philippine Sommelier Association. Um, it's a very small community. It's a very small group. Mm -hmm. We have about 20 members, I'd say at the moment okay uh there i know there's a lot of aspiring sommeliers in the country but if you join the group it's really one way for you to learn more about wines you get to try different wines from different countries all sponsored by different winemakers um all organized by different importers and distributors in manila as well so joining philippine sommelier association would really help you uh, get connected with so many different sommeliers around the country and internationally also. Mm. So, yeah, Philippine Sommelier Association. And we do Philippine competitions also. And you also have like classes for those who want to learn? Yes, and if you want to learn wine, uh, there are several institutions that you can join. Mm -hmm. The most popular institution would be the Wines and Spirit Education Trust. So oh, okay. that's where you take level one uh, awards in wines, level two, three, and level four, diploma in wine. Um, I have taken level two and three as well. Uh, but there's also Court of Master Sommeliers, which really focuses on theory and service. Mm, okay, so, so that is your next goal. Yes. All right, got you, got you. Now, uh, let's, let's assume that, okay, someone, I'm someone who's deeply interested in becoming a sommelier. What are the steps that I have to take? So we have the, it's WSET for short, but. Mm -hmm. so, um, so the WSET, those are the exams or the levels. Yes. And so, but prior to that, is it re do we really have to attend classes or can we do our own thing? Can we try and wing it with like, you know, studying um, Absolutely. Wines? Yeah, absolutely. So 
uh, before taking WSUT, I suggest, you know, you read a few things about wine, try exploring a few wines and see if you really are into it. Hmm. Um, it. It might be difficult once you're already enrolled in the classes and right. then you find out, you know, this is not my thing. But uh, I suggest that you try different wines, you read a few uh, details about, you know, some wine basics as well. Wine Folly is a good source for wine basic uh, details okay. or uh, as a website also. Uh, but yeah, when you take classes, they'll really help and guide you know what's really the best in terms of uh, knowledge in wine. Awesome. All right. So those who are interested in wanting to become sommeliers here in the Philippines, we need more. We need more of them. And maybe you have Ian who will help you along the way as well. He's very friendly. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. especially as far especially now that the food and beverage industry is growing in the Philippines, mm. I think True. sommeliers will be in the future uh, a good. There will be a good demand for sommeliers in the future. Yeah, and say in the next five years. I feel like there's going to be a lot of restaurants who will be interested in creating their own like wine cellar, so that it will well, I guess, pair ma uh, pair perfectly with their food, and they're going to need someone who's going to guide them through it as well. So. It's an opportunity for sure. Uh, maybe may racket ako dyan eventually in the future. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so now let us head into the second wine. Yeah, let's go. Let's okay. go, Ian. <laughs> okay, so uh, you want to try the, this wine first, the first wine? Yeah, sure. With lumpia. So we have some okay. food as well prepared. Finally, pairing with food. Thank you. <laughs> Sponsored so, by me. <laughs> so we have lumpia. Okay, so for those of you who are listening, maybe you were expecting some bougie, like fancy dishes. Cheese, cold cuts. Mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, we're going for street food. Well, not really street food, but Filipino food. Common yeah, Filipino food. Like pulutan or snacks, anything like finger foods from the Philippines. Or pulutan because we also have sisig here. So we're going to figure that out and match it with whatever wine that we have this evening. So yes, lumpia, let's go. Yeah, so we'll try and pair this with the first wine. So again, Sauvignon Blanc, very high in acidity. Lumpia, deep fried, usually dipped in sweet and sour sauce mm -hmm. also, which is perfect with a wine that has a good acidity content to mm -hmm. it. So yeah, just have a bite, see how it is after, and try the wine as well, see how it goes. Game. Okay, so Ian will join me. I will not be the only one pigging out tonight <laughs> <laughs> as we pair with our Sauvignon Blancs. Yeah, we'll have a bite. That is delicious lumpia. <laughs> really good lumpia. Yeah, then just have a sip of the wine. See that acidity go down in the wine? Yeah. Um, now it's easier to drink. The Sauvignon Blanc is kind of like a almost a bougie kind of beer to go with your lumpia. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll pair the same dish with the rosé as well. So if you want to skip, you can dump this. We have enough wine, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. We're dumping the wine. See, we're drinking responsibly, monsters. <laughs> we're having a taste. So this Just is a rosé. Mm -hmm. uh, rosé is actually a wine uh, that is made out of red grapes. Normally, people would think you, they mix white and, ro uh, and red wines to produce rosé wines, yeah. but normally rosé is produced by 
fermenting the grape juice with the skin of the red grapes for a shorter period of time and they filter mm. it out they remove the skin and leave the juice just as pink as it could be so normally it adds flavors to the wine it doesn't have any acidity but it's treated just like white wine also mm. rosé is my favorite wine type of wine as well yeah you mentioned this before <laughs> um it really goes well with almost any type of dish really so if you like grilled pork if you like bangos if you like grilled um pork as well or like liempo maybe some steak even seafood it goes very well with it pancit i think Love this it. is something that you can just drink on its own and even pair with food also so yeah again smell yep. the wine swirl and then smell it again is it bad that i swirled it twice oh Will no it make difference not at all okay cool possibly even better you're oh. bringing out the aromas in the wine and then right. have a sip get some air see how different that is from the sauvignon blanc yeah so this is a rosé produced in the region of provence in france uh this region is known for flower production they're known mm -hmm. for lavenders which makes a lot of their produce a lot of their fruits especially grapes uh carry on some of that floral notes that's why this rosé has some of that floral back notes to it it still has some of that some of that citrus notes mm -hmm. uh, but still very easy very mellow type of wine to drink it is like it's very like it's easy to drink um there's some notes of grapefruit that i can taste from it um i feel like those are those are easy because it's like those are the again those are the fruits that you know you grew up eating or you still eat yeah. to this day so strawberries delicious. is present in the in here oh. raspberry flavor is also present very interesting wine what i love about rosé is that you normally serve it cold so for the philippine weather especially now that it's mm. summer i think this is the perfect wine so just imagine drinking this by the beach that's why uh, there's frosé right perfect yes exactly that's why there's frosé uh just imagine yeah you're having a grilled pork barbecue which we're gonna have yes. as well later on but Try it to the lumpia. I suggest we try so it again. So same with the sweet and sour sauce. Yes. Okay. Got it. Let's so I do won't it. double dip. I know how to dip, but I please will, go I ahead. will use the spoon. Still country lumpia, which is good. Mm. You know how they say that white wine goes well with white meat, red wine goes well with red meat. Yeah. Question is now where does rosé place in that mm. pairing that's i think that's the perfect thing about rosé it, it can just go with any type of dish this is lovely with the lumpia exactly <laughs> so yeah yeah i think this is a perfect pair, pairing compared to the white wine and the lumpia Definitely. normally anything deep fried i'd go with a wine that has higher acidity content mm -hmm. champagne goes very well with anything deep fried ah, fried chicken all right deep fried champagne let's do it and then we'll see how it goes i should have brought the champagne for today but that's why there's always next time exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right well it's 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 so fascinating like the rosé because it doesn't it always has that reputation of being a girly drink right? it's like um it's but but 
like for a sommelier like yourself, it's your favorite drink. So I think for tonight, like if you monsters are interested in a rosé, it does not make you any less of a man or more of a woman to try rosé. It's just, it's just wine. It's just wine and it's for all. <laughs> Absolutely. It's still a beverage. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I want to know though, there are some people who say that I prefer whites. I prefer reds. What does that actually mean? Like there's a variety of well, varietals, right, to choose from. So is there usually a common red or white that people are referring to when they say, I prefer reds, I prefer whites? Because sometimes you would say, I prefer whites, but when they do like, but Chardonnay is just like way too buttery for them or something. Yeah, so I think it really depends on their flavor preference. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't assume uh, on a certain grape variety that they would prefer unless they tell me the taste or taste profile of mm. their preference unless they tell Got me it. okay i like a buttery creamy type of white wine with a bit of pineapple and mango notes to it that's when i re uh, recommend a chardonnay to them mm. unless they give me like so many different flavors you know that's how i normally create uh, recommendations that's awesome like I've, i i like i never saw it that way because it's like sometimes like for for wine novices who don't know what the varietals are i think it's such a cool way especially if they're speaking to a sommelier i like reds but then i like it when it's like earthy i like it and there's some like notes of like oak and maybe some blackberries could you recommend a wine for me yeah yeah exactly there, but, no that was not i know that was not <laughs> i'm already thinking of an answer okay there we go i was like it's not rhetorical <laughs> <laughs> but in any case yeah so i love that it, um like it so it doesn't leave the the novice like completely clueless yeah. they can actually navigate their way around it by telling you what their preferences are in terms of flavor that's amazing that's awesome now um so how about if you're not a wine drinker but you find yourself in a situation you're at a wine bar what are some notes to remember let's say you want to order your own glass without having to look too much like you don't wanna na parang you don't know what you want exactly. So what would you suggest to this person to ask probably the server or maybe a sommelier if they're there? Yeah. So I normally recommend that you ask for a specific style. So you have a few style, okay. options. So you have white, you have rose, you have red, you have sparkling and then you have mm -hmm. sweet or dessert wines. So yeah. It could be fortified mm -hmm. as well, which means you have higher alcohol content. So long as you give them options for the style, that's when you go specific on the flavors. Mm. So normally when you're in a wine bar, uh, the role of sommeliers or whoever's managing or serving in the bar will help you go for a specific type of wine, but also you have to help them out know your preference in terms of specific flavor content but like also what we mentioned earlier yes exactly yeah. so but always go for a specific style first before flavor uh, characteristics got it all right well there you go if you guys are going to any wine bar and you don't know what to order then follow these notes i hope you took that notes also this evening unheard on thursdays i'm joined by sommelier ian santos we are doing wine tasting so don't be shocked when you're suddenly on our live feed and you see us with bottles of wine, this is still a show. This is still an interview, okay? We're learning how to taste wine and also how to pair wine with Filipino food. So, um, so sommelier is probably not one of the, the most popular, you know, careers that, you know, Filipinos have. Usually, 
hospitality, diba? It's like people say that they want to work in hospitality, but then they don't really say specifically what what department they want to be in. Um, as a sommelier, though, um, are there misconceptions that people know about you or have about you about being a sommelier? And are there also preconceived notions about what they think you do, but you actually don't do? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah, several things. So, number one, um, people think we're alcoholics. We are not. Um, we don't drink every day. We taste wines almost every day, but we don't necessarily drink them. So, mm. that's a very big misconception about sommeliers, that we drink wine all the time, every hour, every minute of the day. Um, also, another misconception about sommeliers is that we have a very high tolerance in alcohol, mm. which I'm the total opposite. So, <laughs> I have a very low tolerance in alcohol. I get red very easily. Mm-hmm. After a glass or two, I'm already red. Um, <laughs> but I have this really low tolerance in alcohol. Uh, we don't normally have a high tolerance for it. And lastly, of course, uh, as sommeliers, our job is to really help you enjoy or elevate your dining experience in a restaurant setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we normally do is just really help you create that food and wine pairing. Because when you go to a restaurant, when you dine, um, it's always best to celebrate that dining experience with a bottle of wine. Maybe yeah. a glass or two, but also best with a bottle if it's shared with family and friends. Why not? But our main role is to really just help you elevate your dining experience. So that's what we do for a living. <laughs> And it's really fun. Okay, so like just a bit of a con- uh, of context for uh, you monsters. I was able to join a wine and cheese tasting and Ian was the one who was hosting that uh, on behalf of like One World Deli. And it was just so fun. It was so fun. You're, you have so many different people there. And just if you are an enthusiast, if you don't have to be like a sommelier to enjoy it, like you have wine, you have cheese. And then you might potentially have like other events, like maybe about what was it? Um, oysters, right? Like those, like it's it's so nice to be guided in that way of like how to appreciate wine, how to pair it, how you're supposed when you're supposed to drink the wine. Because I used to make the mistake of like while I'm chewing, I sip, not like I don't swallow the food and then I sip. So. That was something I learned yeah. <laughs> along the and, way. And it's very helpful to join wine and cheese pairings from time to time. Um, we've had a lot of clients, especially in our store, mm. uh, approach us and let us do or organize a whole wine and cheese event for their company. Mm-hmm. Because norm, it's wine and cheese pairing is not something that we do every day. So for companies to approach us and really tell us that we need to help their staff learn more about this whole wine and cheese pairing concept is really elevating or helping them elevate in their career path. So um, it's a, it's more of a social thing as yeah. well to do wine and cheese pairing. So it, so it really boosts their confidence uh, to meet with their clients, to meet with business partners, to you know, discuss things over a glass of wine and mm-hmm. some cheeses also. So I think it's very helpful to join events and also to be like a knowledgeable host mm-hmm. even if it's not meeting with clients but and having like friends at home and knowing like the pairings or like things that you've learned from those tastings for sure super helpful and you be becoming a more knowledgeable host at home and then you'll want to do more 
<laughs> and host some more. Of course, as Filipinos, we love to party yeah. and we also love to host. So you always want to be that best host. For your friends. So. Competitive. <laughs> Lagi na lang. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, as we head into our third wine of the evening, could you break down the steps? Okay, so we have the Pinot Noir next. Now, I would love to know, and this is something, I don't know if you learned this in class, but then let's pretend that you are at a table um, and you're the sommelier at the restaurant. So, could you break down the steps when you present a wine bottle? For those who might want to impress somebody and you guys have wine at home, maybe this could be a skill that you might want to learn. So like in presenting a wine bottle or just wine, um, is there a sequence to follow? Absolutely. So um, it really depends on the type of wine that you're serving. But one simple step that we normally follow is that you always go for the four basic parts of a wine label. Mm -hmm. So when you present a bottle of wine, always make sure that you mention, number one, the wine producer or the wine name. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to know where it's coming from, so you have to mention the appellation, which means the origin. Yeah. So it could be the wine region, could be the country also. Mm. Next thing that you want to present would be the variety, which means the type of grape that was used to produce that wine. And then lastly, of course, the vintage, because you want to know if your wine is too old, if it's too young. Vintage normally tells you when the grapes were harvested, not produced. Ah, okay. So right. this tells you the age of the wine. And again, they tell you wines are better with age, but not exactly for all styles of wine. Mm. Some wines are really meant to be drunk young. So. What are the examples of those? Uh, for what are pref uh, preferably to be drunk, drunk while they're young and for older wines? So white wines, rosés in general, are really meant to be drunk young. Okay. Uh, I'd say three. How young? Are, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. So I'd say three to five years uh, would be the best uh, range for age in white wines and rosés. Mm -hmm. Lighter reds also are really meant to be drunk young, just like Pinot Noir. Okay. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't drink it at an older age. You can drink it ten years so at after 10 years, you can drink it after 20 years. But again, some wines are just at its best condition if it's at a younger age. Got it. All right. Well, now since we talked about how to present a wine bottle, can we sample naman, Ian, how to present with a Pinot Noir? Para, so at least they have, para may sample the new monsters. Hindi na parang, this evening. <laughs> We have bread and butter. Please, if you will. Yeah. All right. So earlier we had the rosé. We'll go with the bread and butter. If you want to dump your glass, yes. your wine first. Sure. So we have room for more red wine. Got it. So this is a very famous producer. So the way I present this is, of course, I'd say the wine name, the producer, the region, the variety, and also the vintage. So, so in the restaurant setup, if you want to be like casual but also very informative in terms of wines that you're presenting you can just tell them straight up this is your pinot noir from california bread and butter 2021 vintage very simple so that's how i would present it mm -hmm. in the restaurant setup there's no sequence as to what i would be saying first it's just or like last. the flow whatever it's comes. just how you say it also i think at the end of the day a good sommelier is really all about uh, having that confidence and having that knowledge uh, with the wines that they're serving, mm. uh, especially with pairing. A lot of sommeliers get to be 
uh, intimidated by food and wine pairing. Yeah. But if you know your craft very well, you're going to be good with your job. Awesome. There we go. Thank you, Ian. Now, the pour. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no strict rule about pouring as well. Mm -hmm. um, I just normally hold it by the bottom. That's more of the professional way that I've seen sommeliers. Yeah, for me, it's the easiest it. way to pour a bottle of wine. Because uh, you don't want drip drippings coming down your mm -hmm. wine bottle, especially if you have a very nice label. Yeah. So the way I would do it is I just pour. Twist. You pour again. No, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I just pour, twist, and then pull up just okay. to avoid the drippings coming down to the label also. So very easy. Were you shaky at first when you tried doing it? Oh, yes. I, <laughs> I remember the first time I poured wine, it was in one of the wine classes that he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But, uh, no, but I don't think we did it from the like the bottom of the bottle. I think no, it was just yeah. Yeah, you can like, hold it body. by the body as well. You can hold it in the middle. Just make sure you don't hold it by the neck because <laughs> it looks very tacky also. It does, yeah. So you can just hold it by the body. You can hold it at the bottom so you can twist it easily. Mm -hmm. But hold it. so long as you don't drop the bottle, especially if it's an expensive bottle. Oh, yeah. I think that's your that's your goal. So Fabulous. yeah, that's your Pinot Noir. You'll see how light it is from here. So we have a light in the background also, so I can actually mm -hmm. see through the wine. It's very, very pale. Yeah. So you can see is. your hands behind actually the liquid. So that's how Pinot Noir normally is. It's a very thin-skinned grape. It grows in very cool climate areas, nice. very sensitive to warm weather. So you can't really grow this in the Philippines or like mm -hmm. in any tropical country. It normally grows further north or further south uh, uh, of the equator. So this is from California, this is from Napa, very close to uh, areas where they produce a lot of Cabernet Sauvignons, but mm. it tends to be very cool as well in the latter parts of the year. Got it. So yeah, you'll see how it is. I smell the wine again, swirl, and then have a sip. Very aromatic red wine. I think, mm. so this is exactly why I love Pinot Noir. It's very light. This is my favorite Pinot Noir. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's very, I don't know if it's like, if it's, I don't know if this is dryness or there's some, like some slight earthiness yes. to it as well. But there's a little bit of like, I told you before, like I think one of the varietals before was like, Gamay that we talked about, there was kind of like licorice. There's a little bit of licorice that I taste yes. here too. So that's spot on in terms of the wine <laughs> tasting. You're basically a sommelier already. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> so this is Pinot Noir. Very, very light. You'll see how it is in terms of color, in terms of texture. But when you taste the wine, normally the first thing that you would get from red wines is the tannins. This mm. is the puckery sensation yeah. that you get. It's that pakla, quote-unquote, that we normally say. One more time. Pakla. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. Okay. So, it, it's, you know that feeling when you bite into the banana peel, yung balat ng saging? Yeah. That uh, yeah. rough sensation that you get, that's what yeah. you call tannins. Got it. And it's normally coming from the skin of the grapes. Yeah. Where red wines, compared to whites and rosé, Red wines are normally fermented with the skin. So aside from the color, you actually extract tannins. Mm. 
Mm. Now, coming from white rosés, uh, white and rosé, uh, this is very different. You'll see, you'll get some of that tannins, that pockery sensation, but still very, very light. Yeah, and very in light. terms of that earthy note, that's perfect. That's a perfect description also. Uh, normally, Pinot Noir is known for that mushroom flavor, that earthy, savory, umami note. Mm. Um, that's very distinct in Pinot Noir also. So, it's just perfect how you described it. <laughs> Uh, normally, wet forest floor for, of course, for those who's been to Europe, to or wet the US, forest or floors. To <laughs> forest floors. That's what you get in Pinot Noir. So, that's awesome. Like, um, I mean, there's a variety of Pinot Noirs that I've tried. This one is actually one of my favorites because I feel like this one stands out from the other ones that I've tried. I'm sure there are better ones, yeah. but I guess with my budget, also, like this is actually really good. And I like again. I don't know if you watch Scandal like I do, but you know Olivia Pope likes to drink her red with popcorn and eat it with popcorn. It's like her snack, Why not? like her dinner. So that's what. I, but I just have red on its own. <laughs> and okay. So what are we pairing this with again? Oh yeah. So we're pairing. We're this. enjoying the wine way too much. <laughs> so we'll try it with one of my favorite Filipino dishes, of course. Here we Sisig. go. Seasig. Okay, so that for all the monsters who are listening, like seasig with wine, that sounds very random and very outlandish. <laughs> but I guess we are here to prove that it is a good match. So, all right. Yeah. Again, <laughs> wine is—it's just a beverage. It's an alcoholic beverage. You don't have to make it intimidating, do right? mm. So sisig, I think, is one of the the most approachable dishes in the Philippines. Yeah. And one of the easiest dishes to pair with almost any alcoholic beverage. So, any? Oh, yeah. Of course. We love it with sense. beer. We love it with... What else? Vodka. Maybe vodka. I don't know. Vodka. <laughs> I but, don't know a lot of alcohol. I'm <laughs> but not, I don't drink. Basically, <laughs> anything alcoholic will we'll eat sisig, di right? Yeah. Any time of the day. But wine, I think, is the perfect beverage for Sisig. Not only because I'm a sommelier, but I don't have <laughs> yeah. this bias for wine. But champagne for me and Sisig. And Sisig. It, it's a great example of how beer and Sisig works. Mm -hmm. So, but today we're trying it with Pinot Noir. Mm -hmm. Again, Pinot Noir is known for a bit of high acidity because it normally grows in cool climate areas. Mm -hmm. um, it's very earthy. Uh, it's pork, which is red meat. You have red wine with it as well. I think it's just a really good combination. So, I have a taste of that too. Sisig, spot on. <laughs> just describing it to you, monster. So at least you're with us when we're tasting the food. It's very, and what I personally love about us choosing, or like Ian helping choose the Filipino dishes this evening, is that it's, um, it's kind of like a gateway for us to appreciate wine and not be intimidated by pairing it. Because it's always like we always pair it with cold cuts or charcuterie board, when really we can pair it with simple food that we enjoy every day as Filipinos. I think it's a really good pairing. Once you pair it to the, once you try the wine after tasting the dish, I think that the, is the dish. Brings out <laughs> all that fruit components in the wine. Yeah. It got rid of that earthy note, mm -hmm. that mushroomy flavor. It actually brought out that licorice, that raspberry flavor, 
that pomegranate flavor also and strawberry flavor. So it's very fruity now after tasting the sisig also. So yeah, it's so. Like again, it's very unlikely sisig. You have it sizzling. You have it um, not sizzling, but very unlikely to want to drink with wine. But now that I've tried it, I am a believer. Ian, you have made me a believer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Wait. So when it comes to meats, right? We mentioned this before that um, chicken, beef, pork, lamb, duck. You know, does the rule still apply that you should have red with red wine with red meat and white wine with white meat or with seafood we said that rosé like you don't really know or it has no box i guess so but is there any rule to live by in terms of pairing your food with just wine in general so i think the only things you have to avoid will focus on things that you wines and flavor components that you have to avoid number one uh, anything spicy Mm -hmm. With wine that has high alcohol content is not a good pairing at all. Oh, okay. uh, normally, spicy dishes will make your alcoholic beverage a bit warmer on the throat. It will make your wine slightly higher in alcoholic uh, perception. Mm. So, it's really not a good pairing. Also, sweet dishes with normal alcoholic beverage, especially if your wine is very dry, it will just make your wine seem a bit more bitter. So I think that's one thing that you can avoid also. But when you have sweet dishes, make sure you have sweet wines with it as well. There we go. Well, we are not we're not nearing the end end of the show yet, but we are nearing our final bottle, which we will uh, get to in just a little bit. But for now, I do want to ask other pairings for Filipino dishes that we do not have here, but. We're just gonna pick the brain of a sommelier, of a sommelier right here, Ian Santos. So last year I did ask you um, like different dishes and how oh, yeah. we could pair it with different varietals or different wines. So we'll do the same, um, but with a new batch of food. So let's go with chicharron. Okay, so that's <laughs> interesting. So very crunchy, very crispy. Normally with anything high in fat and crunchy component, I'd go for champagne or sparkling wine in general. It doesn't necessarily have to be champagne or from the champagne region. It could be a cava from Spain, mm -hmm. a Prosecco. So long as you have a sparkling wine, um, it will be perfect with that. All right, sparkling for chicharron. What about, then this is not Filipino food fair, but it is very popular because we love Korean food, tteokbokki. Oh yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah. a really different flavor profile. Uh, normally, well, at least the tteokbokki's that I've had are a bit on the spicy side. Bit, yeah. mm -hmm. um, I'd go with a an off dry riesling with it. Off dry, off dry mean? meaning <laughs> it's not dry, it's not sweet at all. Um, it just has a bit of that sweetness to it, or at, at least enough sweetness that will it, that won't make your wine seem bitter. Or at uh, least seem high in alcohol perception. So, yeah. All right. And what about chicken in a cell? We were supposed to have that. I think you suggested that this evening. Well, that's a budget. So, <laughs> chicken in a cell. <laughs> so, I think what makes it interesting would be that salty flavor, especially the smoky flavor of the chicken, yeah. about with chicken in a cell. Um, this is when you go and well, this is when you go for a red wine with white meat. So I'd go for a Pinot Noir. Wow. 
oh, with okay. chicken in the sausage. But that's because of that smoky component to mm -hmm. it, that grilled flavor that this is this sounds fancy, but that Maillard, that caramelized ah, okay. fat content. Yeah, the browning, yeah, for sure. That actually goes very well with red wine. So so long as you have white meat but prepared in a sense that you have so many different flavor components happening, mm -hmm. you can go for red wine with it. Alright, chicken in a selfie, no noir. Should have had it this evening. <laughs> Just to see. Also, um, laing. Oh, interesting. Coconut. Yeah. Uh, well, at least for the dominant flavor component, right, yeah. which is very, very hard to pair wine with. But I think it just goes very well with a Chardonnay from Napa Valley. Normally, that buttery flavor component mm -hmm. that you get from a Napa Valley Chardonnay will come along with coconut or toasted coconut flavor from the oak, from oh, that woody flavor, gotcha. which is, a, I'd say, congruent to that coconut flavor of the laing. Mm. But I have an interesting pairing with it as well because in the past, I have tried a Pinot Noir also with laing, huh, and it okay. just went perfectly well together. So, All right, Pinot so, Noir or a Napa. Chardonnay. Chardonnay. There we go for laing. What about Bicol Express? It is spicy. So what would be the recommendation? Okay, so you have pork, um, coconut, but still on the spicy side. Mm -hmm. um, this is quite interesting. I would go for a rosé. Um, maybe not from Provence, but let's say from the U.S., which is still dry. Mm -hmm. um, let's say California rosé made out of Pinot Noir as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, that would be an interesting pairing. So number one, you serve rosé very cold. Uh, I think that would be a good temperature for a spicy dish. Yeah. Uh, it could be a dry rosé as well, uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to have high alcohol content. Normally, rosés would have me light to medium alcohol content. Mm -hmm. So I think this will just go very well with Bicol Express. Plus, mm. it's a rosé. It will go well with pork for sure. All right, there we go. And then let's go to the sweeter side of Filipino food fair. Banana Q. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> so, sweet. Again, with anything sweet, I'd go for a sweet wine with it as well. Mm. Uh, I'd go for a late harvest Riesling. Me, so, meaning grapes were harvested late, higher, higher sugar content, mm -hmm. very ripe grape. Uh, even if you ferment that sugar into alcohol, there won't be enough yeast to convert all of the sugar. Sorry, I'm being technical here, but... That's fine. I love it's it. It's really all about <laughs> sugar content and having that sweet flavor with the wine and that sweet caramelized flavor from the banana also. I think it's just perfect. What was it called again? Late Harvest, Harvest Riesling. How do we ask for that, for example, when it comes to... Um, uh, when you're at a wine shop or something, do you, is, is it just normal okay to ask, like, do you have a Riesling that is late harvested? Yeah, normally it's done in Germany. Um, although there are new world countries like the US, Australia, that would actually put the words late harvest on the label ah, for the Riesling okay. production. So it's easier if we go for Australian late harvest Riesling, maybe some American late harvest Riesling, mm -hmm. because they would actually put it on the label. Unlike Others country like Germany, which I love by the way, in terms of wine production, mm -hmm. they do it very well. It just for wine beginners, it may be a bit difficult for you to know if it's a late harvest reasoning because of all that German right. yeah. label. So yeah. yeah. Alright, and uh, last two desserts or sweets from uh, Filipino cuisine. We have Toron and 
biko or sapin sapin. Okay, so turon again sweet but deep fried. Mm -hmm. So I'd go Shampoo. for go sparkling, a sweet, a sparkling, anything sweet and sparkling. Maybe a sparkling moscato. Okay. Very yeah. common grape. Um, I know a lot of wine drinkers just hate moscato. I do know a lot <laughs> know that, of people yeah. who love moscato also, but it's a, it's an amazing grape variety. It on its own, it's a very aromatic and floral peachy mm -hmm. kind of wine. So, if you produce it as a sparkling wine with a bit of sweetness to it mm -hmm. and that crunchy component to that, yeah, toron, right? Why not? I feel like I should have brought toron right now. So <laughs> I love it. Um, and would that be the same for Biko and Sapin Sapin or different? So I'd go for a different, excuse me, I'd go for a different uh, wine with it but still sweet. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'd go for a premium type of sweet wine for this. Premium, there's, okay. There's one region called Sauterne in France. So it's mm -hmm. very, it's in the south of Bordeaux region. Mm -hmm. They produce a lot of sweet wines in there as well. Made out of Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc grapes. Mm -hmm. Really, really high quality sweet wines, dessert wines. Uh, if you pair that with sapin sapin, all that sticky texture and that caramelized flavor of the yeah. wine will just blend in together. Wow. I, like, I'm guessing it would be hard to find a um, wine from there here. Or are there like, oh, there are some importers, sure. Yeah, then, you'll, you'll find a few. It may be a bit difficult to look for Sauternes. Um, and it's a bit on the pricey side, I'd ah, say yes. also. Mm -hmm. uh, but you'll see some. You'll see some around. All right. Cool. All right. So we are down to the last wine this evening, the Rioja. <laughs> so this is Spanish wine, correct? Yes. Okay. There we so go. Rioja, it's a region in Spain. Mm -hmm. so, you didn't have anything to dump. You finished that. I did not. I, so I told you it's my favorite. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, interesting bottle of red. This is from Rioja in Spain. This is almost like the Bordeaux of France. Rioja is a very popular wine region in Spain, mm -hmm. producing a grape variety called Tempranillo. Mm, yes. Indigenous to Spain, but very popular grape variety. I'd say this is a full-bodied, heavy, high-alcohol, full-tannin kind of red wine. Almost like Cabernet Sauvignon, yeah. almost like uh, Merlot or maybe a Cabernet Franc. Uh, very similar to Bordeaux in terms of style and flavor components. But please go ahead, have a sip. Let me know what you think. It's very. It's, it smells oaky already. Immediately. Right off the bat, you'll. You'll smell that woody yeah. component to it, which is actually the oak. A lot of tannins, is that safe to say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, it's full-bodied. You have a lot of tannins. It, ha it has this grip on the palate, mm -hmm. which is very just rough. It's not dry in terms of uh, descriptors, but it's just very rough on the palate, but in a good way. Some yeah. people like it rough. <laughs> We're talking about wine. Well, we're, we're on the fourth uh, wine already. So. Yeah. All but right. Anyway, you have a lot of tannins. You have that woody sensation to it. You have oak, uh, which normally I would describe it as vanilla, cinnamon, all that spice, which is actually yeah. very reminiscent of that flavor. Cinnamon, currants. 
blackcurrant, mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like blackberries also. Yeah. Uh, it has that licorice note to it as well, similar to the Pinot Noir, but not mm -hmm. as like candied. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very, very elegant in terms of complexity. This is still something like I would easily drink. I feel like I have more difficulty when I drink like a uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Yes. Compared. So very similar, but still it has its own identity. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Cabernet Sauvignon would have, it would make you salivate more mm. as a, for a red wine. Um, it would have more of that green bell pepper or red bell pepper flavor. Mm. You know that feel or the, you know that aroma when yeah, you slice that's right. uh, bell peppers. Yeah. That's what you normally get in Cabernet Sauvignon. This is more of that fruit component, wood and spices. Definitely Very complex. spices. A bit juicy. Yeah. I'd say this is a bit juicy, which I think is perfect with the pork barbecue. Pork barbecue, all right. It's Again, it's pork, us. red meat, grilled. Should be. Should yeah. be an easy pairing. I hope that pork is just soft. Mm -hmm. um, some pork barbecues tend to be very chewy, so let's try it with the wine. So it's sweet. It's actually a bit more salty than the normal pork barbecue. A little bit, yeah. But salinity in food actually helps you appreciate the wine even more. It actually brings out the flavor in wine also. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a really good pairing. I mean, adding salt into anything, it's kind of like, it kind of helps enhance the flavor too. So Even in wine. Mm. I'm learning that now. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. After that pork barbecue, it, all of that fruit component actually went out, or it evolved into a fruity red wine. It's not as harsh on the palate anymore for the tannins. Yeah, that's true. Uh, unlike the first time you had a sip of it, yeah, it's a bit harsh on the like, palate. Instead of it coating your tongue, it kind of just like... It, it, the, the pork kind of, what do you call this? It subdued. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so that's a good pairing, I'd say. No? Yeah, it's pretty. Um, like it, I feel like I would rather. Like I want to have steak now <laughs> with this wine. <laughs> so, like that's that's amazing. Like I, I love that we were able to do this um, on air and to just educate monsters and also watch us enjoy wine tasting and pairing. But I really hope that you guys learned a thing or two also so that you can have a deeper appreciation in terms of wine. Now, what is your next goal now? Back to you as we are ending the show. What are you, what's your next goal as a Filipino sommelier? We mentioned that you're going to take the Court of Master Sommelier exam. So how do you need preparation for that? How long is that going to take? Yeah, absolutely. You? So I've taken uh, the first certification under the Court of Master Sommeliers. The goal is to eventually become an advanced sommelier and then one of the 250 or 300 master sommeliers in the world. Wow. There's only one Filipino master sommelier. Excuse me. And he's based in California, right? Oh no, sorry, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to be the first Filipino based in the Philippines mm. to be the master sommelier in the country. So that's my that. goal. I will be supporting you 100%. Thank you. Every step, every year, 
you're here <laughs> with new wine <laughs> more yeah. wine and ultimately what is going to be your end goal so you're a sommelier you are learning you want to be a master sommelier but down the road maybe 10 15 years 20 years even from now what is your do you have a dream that you want to accomplish as a sommelier yeah absolutely so I really want to help the food and beverage industry in the Philippines elevate in terms of wine consumption, um, wine education, but not only wine, tequila, whiskey, beer, coffee, or anything food and beverage. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Filipinos are all over the world. If you go yeah. to any country in the world, there's always Filipinos, and you'll normally see Filipinos in the food and beverage scene. So. I think it would just be best for the Philippines to be in the map, to be one of the countries that, you know, at least Europe would look at to as a competitor in terms of wine educator, sommelier. Uh, I think it would be nice to have the Philippines represent, uh, or at least to have a sommelier represent the Philippines in the world's best sommelier and eventually win. Yeah, so yeah, awesome. the goal is to have a school eventually, to have like several wine bars, right? I think we can just enjoy wine in a very casual um, and educated sense. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ian, for joining us this evening, teaching us about wine, helping us learn how to taste wine and to pair wine with Filipino food. So I think that's such an amazing feat and hopefully we all have a deeper understanding and enjoy wine even more, not just on its own, but also with Filipino food. With that, we're ending the show. That's it. Thank you to all the monsters who have tuned in on radio, live on Facebook, YouTube, on Twitch as well. This is our first setup in this sense. So if you guys have enjoyed this setup as well, do let us know in the comments and we'll try and figure out how else we can um, make Heard on Thursdays better with this kind of setup and who maybe you might want to see and heard on Thursdays as well. With that, we say good night and we hope you guys have an awesome Thursday evening or Friday morning. So keep a lock right here on the Monster. Bye. Monster ex Monster exclusive interview. Monster exclusive interview. Only from Manila's hottest. Monster RX 93.1. Make this the hashtag best summer ever. Summer is hot.